no sense that everything has to be exactly symmetrical because you don't your body isn't symmetrical the wave isn't symmetrical the fun is like all this variability if i'm going out and surfing for a couple hours like what am i actually doing on the wave what would i rather be doing better if no one was on the beach and you were there by yourself and the waves were fun like what would you actually ride Welcome to the Basis Surf Podcast with Matt Parker of Album Surfboards. Uh, when people think about alternative boards, Album Surfboards are probably one of the, the biggest brands that come to mind. He has a roster of probably one of the coolest set of free surfers out there, like such a diverse mix. Um, so super excited to dive into boards and, and surfing and all that. Uh, thanks for joining, Matt. Great to be here. Nice to meet you. All right. Cool. Well, you know, it's very interesting, just like perfect timing that uh, I get to interview you today because I'm down here in Central America and um, I've been interviewing a, a bunch of people on the podcast, guys that are like former thruster guys, right? Mm -hmm. So like Victor Bernardo, who rides for you, but like Noel Solace of Surf and Show, a bunch of other dudes. And they're all like, yeah, I kind of just want to ride twins all the time. And, mm -hmm. you know, they're getting experimental with all these funky boards. So after talking to them, I'm like, huh maybe I should mix it up. Maybe I'm going to bring like a funky board. And, um, my buddy drew Austin, he shaped a, uh, it's an ASIM twin. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at it and I was like, this thing is kind of trippy, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna see how it goes. And, uh, the thing is freaking awesome. So mm -hmm. anybody that's like thinking about trying, uh, uh, what might look like a, you know, not normal board, uh, I, I would highly recommend it. Um, and obviously you guys make great boards like that. And it was just super interesting as well because, you know, I, I get out of the water or I actually, I should mention, I caught one wave and the turn I did on it was just like, it was kind of magic. It's almost like it, it did all the work on its own. I just put it in the right place and just felt so good. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, there was a local as well. He, he saw me like roll up after riding that wave. And then he was like, what the heck is that? That's what his response was when he saw the tail, the ASIM tail. Um, and then he, the next thing he said was, dude, can I ride it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's such an interesting kind of response. And I'm sure you get that a lot with your boards. Like, um, you know, how, how do you describe ASIMs and, and how do you, what, like, for example, was it hard to like convert, you know, Josh Kerr, who was like a former CT rider to like convince him to ride one of your ASIMs in one of these trippy boards? Or was it just like a really natural, easy thing? Uh, for, Josh was excited to ride different things. He'd spent so many years on tour and competing. And, and so he was very excited to jump on new feelings, you know, and, and so that was easy. Um, he yeah. definitely passionate about twin fins and that's probably been the boards he's wanted to ride the most and most consistently, but it's very true. Anytime you have most, so many people are used to seeing traditional looking equipment. And so if you're walking on the beach or you're out in the water and you have something that's doesn't look like everything else, people definitely want to talk you up about it. And so I always, yeah. I always warn people and customers when they get a board like that and ASIM specifically, I said, just be prepared, have your spiel ready because you're going to have people ask you a lot of the same questions. You're just going to get a lot of uh, engagement, people, you know, wanting to know about how they work and why does it only go one direction or whatever it is. But that's literally, that's literally what I got as well. So one of my buddies, Alex, he, he runs like a surf spot over here and he's like, does that go does that go left? Can you go backside mm -hmm. on that thing? 
And what, what's your opinion? Can you go backside and ace him? Straight doesn't it only go straight? Doesn't <laughs> run. That's the only direction I really want to go on a surfboard. <laughs> yeah, and he was like trying to, you know, because I was trying to explain to him, right? So, uh, or why, why don't you explain like how the ASIM tail works and then does it go better right? Does it actually go backside? I mean, people would probably rather hear from you than from me. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a million variables. Like you could have a very standard board that just has an ASIM tail shape with symmetrical fin setup. You can have a board that has ASIM outline and shifted thickness points to accommodate for that. You could, there's a million different variations on an ASIM theme, but the basic idea is that you surf a wave differently on your front side and your back side, and your body weight is different on your heels and your toes. And, um, and a, for me, my perspective on it is that a surfboard is never going in a straight line with water running directly you know linearly like nose to tail out the back of the board you're always whether you're going right or left front side or back side regular foot or goofy foot your bottom turning water's coming across the the board you know across the the bottom you're driving up into the face water shearing off in a different way the fins are turning through the face so there's a you know you're weighted heavy on one rail you're waiting to the other rail so there's really um no sense that everything has to be exactly symmetrical because you don't your body isn't symmetrical the wave isn't symmetrical so there's just different ways of looking at it and uh with that said though you you know there's a million variables you're trying to account for too in like what's the right board for that day and um what's going to get the most out of the waves you're surfing and anytime you add new variables in you're creating more variables on top of that and so there can be um, a point to where you try to over-engineer things too much and you try mm -hmm. to over-design things too much. Ultimately, simplicity and a board moving through the water most efficiently is what you're really trying to do. Um, and so there's a simple, you know, sometimes um, ASIMs look technical and they look like things are out of proportion or wiser. One fin on this side, two fins on this side, and, you know, the rail ship or whatever but really you're trying to find um a clean simple line you can have a amazing outline and like cool fin setup but if your rocker's all whack the board's not going to work you know and if the foil yeah. and foam distribution is off it's not going to work so all these kinds of things have to work together to really get the most out of it totally i've i really i've thought about that um, actually, and maybe I, I'm curious whether you've done this cause you talk about controlling these variables, right? Like, have you ever shaped, uh, you know, let's say the bomb Gia, but non ASIM, like same rocker, same outline, same everything. And then done like an ASIM version and like ridden it just to have that AB test and be like, how does the ASIM feel versus like, you know, if you put a standard, whatever thumb tail on it, you know, squash tail on it. Have you ever tried anything like that? Yeah, like I said, there's a million variables. So the the Bongia was designed like with the ASIM fin setup and bottom contour and tail shape. And so that's really kind of the essence of what that design is. Yeah. The quad, the offset ASIM quad. It kind of right. has a symmetrical entry, like a standard mm -hmm. board. And it's basically the back half is more ASIM for yeah. adjusting to your back foot. But um, yeah, like I've done 
but that's a perfect example because like Victor's step-up version of the Bongia is a symmetrically outlined round tail mm. with asymm fin placement. Okay. So the, the the fins are placed asymmetrically around how his foot stands, but the outline is symmetrical. So if you looked at it from the beach or whatever on on land and you just kind of glance at it, it just looks like a normal board, but there's a lot more little technicality going in on the inside there. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I think people will look at ASIMs and think they're kind of trippy looking, but I think they're actually super functional. And that was my experience with it. You know, I think, well, there, there's two things that made it really interesting, right? Number one is it was wider. So it just automatically gets up to planing speed really quick. But then, you know, because the, the left, the heel side was shorter, that rail line was shorter, you can just get that pivot a little bit quicker because i think a lot of people struggle with getting their back foot all the way back mm -hmm. and because you know that rail line on the heel was shorter and the fin on the heel had been offset and was shifted up that just made it that much it just made it that much easier to to put the board on rail kind of going backside i mean on a heel side turn and then i felt it as well on you know the front side for the bottom turn so it's like it's like the board compensated for a deficiency with technique in a way. If, you know, obviously you still have to get your foot in the right place, but it made it a little bit easier. I didn't have to get my foot quite as far back just because of the way the rail line was on the heel. And that's what I thought was really interesting about it. Yeah. The whole point is to make them more user-friendly, easier to generate speed, easier to turn is really the point. Uh, most of my ASIMs are actually narrower than normal boards because they're, are really efficient at generating speed and so you don't need as much planing area because naturally the board is more connected to your foot so especially off your back foot where the fins are placed so the heel side fins are shifted up and the toe side fins are kind of a little bit set back and that naturally sets your toes on the gas pedal on your front side rail and the pivot point and best turning sweet spot on your heel side and so there's this toe heel uh, connection back and forth. Mm -hmm. So it makes the board grip to your feet a little bit faster, more, more connected. There's less lag time. And so um, like Victor's um, Bongia, he rides probably a quarter inch to a half inch narrower than he would ride like his secret menu thruster. So that's but it still has volume. There's still actually probably more volume than a, what a standard chippy shortboard would be you know yeah. there's like volume packed in there but um surface area and planing area i find um you just don't need as much so that's so interesting like <laughs> this was literally one of my questions and we're jumping way ahead because i wanted to start with like how you got in shape and all that but since we're in it let's just get into well, it i would like... say the thing i would add about that is I, i'm talking like if you're measuring like the center width right yeah or wherever the wide wherever the wide right, point right, is right. Because a lot of the ASIMs tend to have, like my disorder has like a fairly wide nose because it's kind yeah. of a chopped off ASIM nose and it has a, fair, a little bit of a wider tail. Mm -hmm. So the overall outline is a little bit of a straighter outline because the board's yeah. so easy to turn. Right. You don't need like, you don't need like an extra curvy outline to allow for turn initiation or drawing an arc because the the ASIM outline and the fin placement allow for that a little bit easier. So when you're, huh. when you're putting that on rail, you're actually driving a really powerful turn because it's a little bit of a drivier, straighter rail 
curve. Mm, yeah. So when you lay that down, you can really push it hard. Right. But it turns easier. So you get the, it's this unique sensation. Right. So kind of like taking concepts from, you know, the mini Simmons and those super parallel rail line, you know, mm -hmm. that gives you all that speed and applying a little bit of that. Obviously your boards don't look anything like a mini Simmons, but it's a similar thing or Tomo as well has those really parallel rail lines, um, which and he, I think his boards are a little bit narrower than normal as well. Mm -hmm. And what was interesting is I was actually looking at, um, before this, before uh, this call, we were, I was looking at the dims on the Bomgia and I was like, these, these are like really interesting dims. So like, mm -hmm. you know, my two boards are like a, a rocket wide, which is a five, five and it's 18, three quarters. Um, and then two and five sixteenths. And then my Inferno is five, seven, 18.65, 2.37. So they're, but then the Bomgia, the equivalent size would be the five, six and that's 18 and a quarter. So it's like, a quarter to half an inch narrower than what I would normally get. And I was like kind of tripping out on it. Cause I look at the board and I'm like, this looks like, you know, kind of a more user friendly board or whatever, but it's actually more narrow. Um, and then it's the thickness is equivalent to those other boards, but it somehow still has more volume as well. So it's yeah. like, I'm, I'm looking at these dims and I'm like, these are the, the trippiest dims that I've ever seen, you know, and it, it's yeah, really exactly. interesting. Victor's five nine, like one seventy, one seventy five, and obviously like a highly <laughs> talented <laughs> pro server. Yeah, but he rides his Bongia at like thirty to thirty one liters, and that always trips people out because most people do not ride enough volume or in the right amount of volume, especially most regular everyday surfers. Considering most everyday regular yeah. surf that most people surf, and with most of our ability levels, you know, a lot of people are undervolumed or a lot of people think my boards have to fit in like a, you know, this one to two liter range of volume. Yeah. And that's can't, this is kind of what my thickness has to be. But like you said, you know, two and five sixteenths, you can have five different boards that are two, 2.32, two and five sixteenths thick. And they all feel completely different based on where that foam is distributed and like how, how much of that foam goes out to the rails. And like, if it's like a tapered deck, you know, there's a million different combinations yeah. of those numbers. So those numbers are really kind of just, I always tell people they're just reference points, you know, yeah. like even like Victor himself, he, he probably the size range of boards that he rides are anywhere from 28 to 40 liters. You know, yeah. his quiver, wow. if you look at this quiver, it's like, very diverse, which is wow. kind of what we should all be doing a little bit more of. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. Huh? Well, so you're saying like his normal boards are around 31 to 32 liters and he's around 175 pounds. Okay. That kind of makes sense a little bit. That's a little bit. Yeah. But what was, do you know what his leaders were that he was riding when he was like competing on the QS and stuff? Like 26, 27. So he bumped up big time. Interesting. Yeah. For sure. Wow. I mean, he's probably, he was maybe like five pounds lighter, but pretty yeah. negligible, not that much of a difference. But that's just kind of the nature of, you know, yeah. most shortboards are kind of designed for that. And they're designed for really good waves. You know, a chippy yeah. shortboard is meant to surf an Indo, an overhead surf. Yeah. 
Right. Hey, everyone. It's Van. Hopefully, you've been enjoying the podcast. Hopefully, you've been listening to some good stories, getting some good tips that are helping you improve as a surfer. If so, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review. It'll only take you literally a few seconds and share it with your friends. That's the best way you can support me so I can continue to create awesome new content for you. So, thanks. And the, the thing that I'm, I was all like, because my buddy had a Twinsman and I felt it up. The thing that I tripped out about it was the foil of the board, you know, mm -hmm. and that's probably where you're getting all that thickness. But it's like, it seems to carry a lot of the thickness to the rail. It's like a flat deck, and then it, but then it tapers down, for mm -hmm. sure. So you can it, you can engage that rail. But like on Victor's boards, are like the Bomgia, like is that like the stock boards? Are they basically what he rides, or does he ride a little bit thinner, or? Does he ride with those rails being kind of that generous? Yeah, I mean, the rails are like the Twinsman is a unique example because that one really almost has a concave deck or like a flat deck where if you've measured the thick thickness of the stringer and then you carried that thickness out, it's almost the same, a good, you know, yeah. 10 inch, 10 inches, you know, in the middle of the board is about the same thickness. And so that adds a significant amount of volume from almost to the nose under your chest, almost to like you're in front of your back foot. So there's a lot of um, inherent um, just planing and flotation there, yeah. which, which lets that board be very user friendly because it really, it's tough to bog a rail on that board because it, there's just volume to carry you through. And it has like a beveled rail section. So where that thickness stops, it almost has like a beveled line and then the rail really slopes down to like a finer, finer rail. Yeah. Uh, the Bongia isn't as pronounced as that, but it does carry a little bit of flatness. It has a beak nose. So there's volume in the entry. Mm -hmm. So a little bit more thickness under the chest. It's not like a little, um, it's not foiled like a really thin shortboard in the entry. The entry of the Bongia is very effective in paddling, getting down the face, carrying speed down the line, carrying speed through turns, kind of mm -hmm. almost like as like a swing weight counterweight that kind of drives through turns and yeah. carries momentum. And so some of that volume is kind of hidden through there. And if you felt the rails in it, like his rails kind of have a low apex point where the kind of the peak of the rail is a little lower to the water, which allows, mm -hmm. and, you know, if you look at a lot of standard shortboard rails, they're very much like just soft neutral rails. And the rails on the Bungia are a little bit more uh, positive because the apex is lower. And so you're kind of, when you're pressing and you're driving through a turn, you're really forcing a lot of that power into that tighter little apex point. So you get a little, you feel like this like positive, uh, reaction and the water can really shear off of it quicker. And so you feel this sense of acceleration. Right. With the, when the, when you're really driving a bottom turn, it, the board really accelerates both with the fin setup and the way the water wraps the rail and shears off the rail. Huh. Man, but it's all, I think there's I... so many variables connected to <laughs> right. that too, because that works because of the rocker, that works because of the amount of foam underneath your feet and planing area. Right, And then it works because there's a decent amount of concave through the board that's really, you know, letting water really move through under the board. It's all, 
Right. A lot of times it's like you can't focus too much on just one um, totally one of those elements because they really only work because all the elements are tied together. Yeah. Well, I think that's what's really interesting about your boards is when I feel them, you know, like if you looked at it from a distance, let's say you're not looking at like one of the ASIMs. Uh, let's say you're looking at a more conventional, kind of conventional looking board like the, the Twinsmere or something. You might almost be like, oh, that kind of looks like other twins. But then when you feel it, I, I realized just from feeling, I was like, this is actually really different from a lot of boards that other, even alternative shapers would shape. And so there is definitely some kind of magic juju that you got going in onto those boards. And, you know, obviously you got, you know, riders that, uh, that, you know, know how to, to utilize it. And it's like, okay, these boards do really perform. So it's, it's really, really fascinating. Um, mm -hmm. huh. It's funny. Guess... For me, each one really is like a unique, like there's some blended elements into like what makes our boards the way they are. Yeah. But the Twinsman is very different from the Bongia, which is pretty different from the Sunstone and, and the Freewing. You know, they're not, there's a lot of like differentiation. So I try to treat each model with like, what is the purpose of this and how is it meant to be surfed and what feeling am I trying to get from this? Right. And so not that you um, start from scratch every time, but uh, for me, the, the fun is like all this variability. Like I said, like Victor's quiver is like this huge range and I get way more out of surfing by riding all these different types of boards and having different experiences, riding a quad versus riding a twin versus riding an ASIM, riding a five, eight. Like I surfed today, I surfed the five, eight quad sunstone. And, uh, two days ago I rode a seven, four stretched out twin fin Vesper with a wing, you know, like totally different board, totally different experience, yeah. fun and unique ways, but that's, that's yeah. That, well, that's that's one of the things I was going to say is I think what's so interesting about your boards is you have this incredibly diverse set of, you know, riders, like team riders, and it seems like you shape boards that fit their specific needs and, and wants and desires, and each of them are so unique, like Asher Pacey versus a Josh Kerr versus, a, you know, Coco Ho or whatever, you know, that mm -hmm. you, you, they end up, you end up going in all these different directions in the, the, this you know, these boards are all so different. It's like, it's kind of, it kind of trips me out, you know? And it's, it's so rad though. Cause you, you know, you can kind of be like, Oh, I want to surf like Victor. Or I want to surf like whoever, you know? And then you just pick the board and be like, all right, I want to be Asher Pacey, at least in my mind, at least, you know, not, <laughs> definitely not on the wave. Right. Yeah, that's, I think that's the, that's why you have a team or that's why you have different diverse people ride for you because it totally opens your mind to trying different things. Sometimes you'll see um, other labels that have a team, but everyone kind of rides the same model, right? right? Like you have a team of eight different guys and they just ride the different dimensional size of one particular model, which is great for validating that one model. But to me, like, that's just not what I'm into as much. I'd rather explore a lot of different right. shapes and sizes and everything. So, And they all kind of surf not to say the same i mean you know obviously if you look at whatever brand you know they all do surf differently but they all surf oftentimes within like this spectrum right mm -hmm. especially if we're talking about like the high performer shortboard world but yeah it's it's super interesting mm -hmm. um <laughs> we've gotten so deep down this path but i i guess we got to keep going took here you off, took you off the <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I mean, what this is this is great though. I mean, this is super nerdy, but I think anybody that's like really into boards is gonna hopefully enjoy this. So, if you're taking the time to listen to a surfboard podcast, you are a surfboard nerd. So, just embrace yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way around it. There's yeah. no way around it. So then, you know, because I was looking at your boards, I'm like, man, I want to try one, but I'm like, how would you recommend? So not not for me, but how would you recommend? Like somebody, let's say somebody that already is used to riding whatever, let's say they're, they're riding sh normal shortboards and they're like, okay, I want to try an album. Like, mm -hmm. how do you even like begin to think about like what dims, like what leader range? Cause a lot of times your leader range says add a couple leaders, but like, what is that? You know, like how do how, how do you guide people along that path or should they just call you guys and you guys will hook them up? That's probably well, the way to go. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's like a lot of ways to look at that. And really, I, I usually start with all the just kind of groundwork of like, what kind of wave are you right? Where are you surfing at mostly? What, you know, what type of surfing are you doing? You know, are you trying to um, surf like a professional contest surfer? Are you more cruising? and yeah. just want to flow on a fish? Like what, at what level are you at? You know, like, try to get a better, bigger picture of like, who you are and like what your goals are. Like, what do I want to get out of this? Uh, yeah. Then it's like, okay, well, what boards are you currently riding? You know, what does your quiver currently consist of? And um, if someone has like three or four of very similar boards, it's like, well, then there's like a whole new world that they haven't experienced yet. Mm. Uh, and so there's lots of options that can work for that. Uh, so a lot of times it's like, what are you, you know, like, what are you getting out of your surfing now? that you wish you could be getting more of or like, you know what I mean? Like, are you trying right. to improve? Do you usually like recommend that they bump volume, like up a couple liters, just the way like Victor bumped his volume up. Like, is that how people should be going into it and just being like, depends on what they're looking for. You know, yeah. like if, like if they're kind of bored and not having, you know, they're kind of their success rate with their sessions is kind of like, mm, sometimes they have a great day. And, but a lot of times they have frustrating surfs. It's like, well, yeah, let's, let's change it up. Yeah. And maybe you need to, you know, you need to ride more volume. That's one, that's one factor for sure. But even just a different style of board, if someone's only, you would be surprised how many people have only experienced like a certain type of surfboard. They, they'll buy, you know, mass market boards and they kind of just ride like what is current in the trend of what is out there in the surf shop. And this is what they see other people on the beach with. And so they just, grab that board and it surfs fine it's like you know checks that yeah. box but it's not really inspiring to them or like right. getting yeah. them really motivated to go surf and so it's like what would be what would kind of change that up and be different for them you know yeah. if there's, like if somebody had only surfed uh like even hybrids or thrusters and it's like well maybe you should try a vesper which is like a fishy quad with this deep channel that's really fast and is sneaky, easy to paddle into waves. So you get your wave count goes up 20% and you don't have to work for as much speed, but you can still kind of like lay it on rail and put, throw a turn down. And it's like, that changes your whole perspective on surfing. Mm. On you know what I mean? There's a million different facts. There's not like one set. Yeah. I, I mean, there's always, there's plenty of boards I make. A lot of times people will say like, what's the, which board should I get? Or what's, what's the best option? And I, tend to tell them there's probably five or six boards that you would have fun on. You'd have an amazing time on and they'd be totally different than you'd experienced up to this point, And they would open up something different with your surfing. So you can't really go wrong. 
Yeah. You know, I, yeah. sometimes people are looking to like replace certain boards. Like they have yeah. like, like, uh, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, I surf this board all the time, but I kind of want to try something that's just cl as close to that as I can. Cause I trust that, uh, which is cool too. We can make something that suits that, but there's, there is no single right answer as like, what is the best board? You know, like, right. what's the right board for me? Cause you know, for sure. Doesn't it, and it sounds like just having an open mind in general. I mean, you know, when we were talking about that volume and then the width, it's like, you know, if I was going to get a Boom G, I'm going to be like, all right, I'm going to go down like a quarter inch, like half an inch in width. And I'll just be like, all right, this is what we're going to do. Even the, in the volume might be bumped up a little bit, you know, and it sounds like, but it sounds like it would work, you know? So, well, it's huh. honest assessment too. It's taking an honest assessment about what am I actually doing on the wave? Right. So there's like, there's, there'll be a guy, you know, surfs my local spot and he's like in his late fifties and he's constantly surfing boards that are meant to blow the tail out and, you know, like get up into <laughs> right. the lip and he's right. barely bottom turning and just yeah. learn, just really trying to get like a good carving cut back in. So it's like the boards right. he's riding are not helping him do that. And it's like, so honest assessment, like, what am I actually, okay. If I'm going out and surfing for a couple hours, like, what am I actually doing on the wave? What would I rather be doing better? Right. And a lot of that is like just people getting, getting into waves, better timing, you know, a little better paddler and something that carries a little bit more speed. So your timing is better. So it's easier to surf, you know, instead of making it hard on yourself. Totally. Totally. A lot of people do make it really hard on themselves when they get, when they're just sitting on their high performance shortboard, just like sitting on the shoulder and not catching anything. Right. So. Well, and every there's, you know, just naturally in surfing, everybody is a, nobody, nobody wants to be a kook, you know, everyone wants to look competent. And sometimes that means like, I want to have a board that fits in that looks like I know what I'm doing. I've got like a cool board that, you know, that people right. think I know what I'm doing. So when I'm carrying on the beach, I look like a surfer and I don't want to look like I'm standing out or whatever. So sometimes people are, you know, and they do that and they kind of limit what they will get out of surfing because they're a little bit more concerned with what people think about them. And uh, so I've said this many times before, but my philosophy really is like if no one was on the beach and you were there by yourself and the waves were fun, like what would you actually ride? What would you what would you ride if nobody saw your surf and nobody knew what you were doing? What would you actually choose? You know, so what is giving you the most fun and what is giving you the best experience? And that could be a high performance shortboard because you really want to get good at it, but you don't ride it because you're afraid you're going to look like you're bogging on half your turns. You know what I mean? And it's hard yeah. to surf. But so maybe it is that, but maybe it's like, maybe it's a seven two, you know, twin fin stretched out mid lengthy thing that it's just easy to catch a lot of waves and flows. So totally. I totally that agree. Different for everybody. But. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Totally. Um, no, that, that's super helpful. I, I think, I think asking that question for myself really, you know, and then the way you responded, I'm just like, okay, if I get an album, I'm just going to have to be really open-minded about the dims, you know? Cause like my, my trajectory with boards has been just like dialing in, like tweaking the dimensions a little bit. All right. I'm going to go like a quarter inch narrower, et cetera, et cetera. But if I were to get an album, I'm, I'm just kind of like not throwing it out the window, but it's like, mm -hmm. we're just going to have to be a lot more open-minded and like play around with a bunch of different variables and like just see how it goes. So it's a, 
I mean, and that's kind of what I did riding my buddy's, you know, ASIM twin too. So, you know, mm -hmm. I'm down for it. I'm, I'm super interested in seeing where it takes me. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Um, all right. So we, we got super nerdy and deep there, but, uh, let's, uh, let's bring it back. I was just going to start with like how you got into shaping actually. We'll, we'll just go through the whole trajectory sure. here. Yeah. So yeah. What, what got you into shaping and, and um, yeah. yeah, I've surfed my whole life. You know, loved, and I've always was kind of obsessed with, well, not my whole life. I guess I started a little bit late. I started when I was like 12. I started, that's when I got my first surfboard. And um, I was always very fascinated with um, how surfboards were made. And just, you know, the first board I got was like glass on fins. And it was a gloss and polish thruster from kind of the late 80s. And it was like just this beautiful thing. And I had no idea, like, how did somebody shape this thing how did they glass it i had no idea. it was just a mystery because i i grew up like 10 to 12 miles from the beach I just go to the beach a lot but i didn't grow up around like surfboard factories or anything like that so it was a mystery so i was very interested in it and i surfed through my high school and growing up years and then when i was in school i went to school for design for graphic design and i had an art background and i was in my early years of school when you're taking all the um like core art classes and you're doing sculpture and kind of like figure drawing and all these kind of like basic art classes and so for me the idea of shaping a board was very much like oh this is kind of an extension of just kind of all these art classes i'm taking and it's what i'm into so i bought like the rudimentary tools and i got a blank and i hacked out a board in the, in the backyard and uh, went and got it glassed and then surfed it. And it was just a mind-blowing, fun experience to ride something that I had made, even though it was probably super wonky and looked looked kind of chunky, I'm sure. I wish, right. I, I, wish I still had it. I could see what it looked like. You know, it'd be funny to laugh at now. But uh, so I totally got the bug from doing that. So I was um, going to school, working as a graphic designer. I started a graphic design business agency. And I was just building surfboards on the side as like a creative outlet, never with any intention of really selling them or making a business out of it. And so it was, uh, it, there was really no rules for me as far as like making the boards. Cause it was purely like a hobby expression, just creativity, try the weirdest things and paint them all sorts of different ways. And I just, it was just a totally, yeah a uh, fun outlet. And by doing that, I spent years doing that. So I've probably made it over time, you know, people would buy the boards and I would get enough money to make another one and just kind of on and on from there. And then eventually it's like, you look back and there's, you know, a couple thousand boards have gone by and you've kind of established this unique perspective on making boards. And uh, it just kind of grew from there. Got it. That's super interesting. So did you, was what drew it drew you to shirt, uh, surfboard design? Was it like a like a pure art, as in like, hey, I want to make something beautiful, or was it also combined with like the functionality and like you know improving your own surfing and you know just making better boards for yourself, or was it? It's probably a blend of the two. I'm gonna assume, but uh, yeah, how did how did that fit in your mind for you? Well, also this was like late '90s, early 2000s. Um, and you know, if you went to like a surf shop, then it's a, you, there wasn't a whole lot of variety in style of boards. You could just get a surf shop. And, and so it was just hard to, and even like ordering custom boards back then, it was hard to kind of maybe voice what I was really 
uh, what I had in my brain to the shaper that I was trying to get shaped the boards. Yeah. So there was definitely a desire to try things that I hadn't seen before, or maybe that I'd seen before, but I, I, I couldn't get my hands on one or, or couldn't afford one. And so this was a way to like test out ideas and explore different types of boards and yeah. learn how to shape at the same time of doing it. So it was kind of, and were you always doing kind of alternative boards from the beginning or did you start just doing your normal short boards and then kind of going from there or doing a little bit of both? Like what was that? Oh, like? Everything I've done it. I've shaped it <laughs> <laughs> going down the rabbit hole of really making a really good short board is amazing. It's like one of the hardest things to do. And so yeah. like doing those reps and really like refining that is a great way to get good at shaping because it's one of the harder, you know, those, there's so many curves and making it, uh, work really well is difficult. And so that's a good practice. But I, so I did plenty of that, made plenty of short boards and then made all, everything else in between too. Right. Well, Victor told me that, uh, I was like, what is this VB secret menu? And he's like, oh, it's a secret, but, uh, it's a thruster. And I was like, what <laughs> Matt is doing board. thrusters. Yeah. What's up? Yeah. It's the alternative board. It's a trifin. <laughs> <laughs> I think for a lot of people, the trifin is like an alternative board. And and he, the funny thing too, is he was like, yeah, he's like, maybe someday I'm going to compete again. And I'll be like, dude, that would be the sickest thing to see Victor competing on your boards, like mm -hmm. on the QS or on the challenger series, like riding these alternative boards. Mm -hmm. That would be super interesting to see um, yeah, how, sure. how he'd do. Well, a lot okay. of people don't yeah. think, you know, if there are people that don't know you, they only, they know us from like making twin fins or something like that, or they know us from making ASIMs, but it's like, of course we can make high performance shortboards too. So it's kind of fun to do that and kind of trip people out a little bit because it's, it's more unexpected. Right. Right. And so how did you, I mean, that's a huge leap. So you're just shaping for yourself. You're probably building a name for yourself in kind of SoCal and then gradually getting bigger and then. And then you just, all of a sudden, it seems like you guys have exploded and you just, you know, I think it started with Josh and you have all these riders now, but like that, that explosion was just kind of crazy. Um, like how did it all work for you guys? Yeah. It's been a slow burn for 20 years. It's just like, you know, you kind of build upon the previous year and stuff. And then it's like, if eventually once you get to enough, like public awareness, I guess, then people are just more aware of yeah. what's going on and they're just, you know, seeing it more and more. Certainly, like having uh, the team really helps validate the boards, and that's been really fun to see. That's one of my favorite things to do, actually. If I if I didn't have to make money and I could just do what I want to do for fun, it would be to make boards for all the guys and just watch them surf them because I get the most personal satisfaction out of that. Yeah. Um, and it really does validate ideas and concepts. Cause I can surf competently. I can surf well enough to know what it's doing or what I'm intending it to do. But obviously I don't surf at like Victor or Asher's level or Margo's level or Jack's level. And so, um, seeing that concept really be taken to what its potential is, or even beyond what I thought its potential was, is, is where you really learn. That's where the boards really get better too, because yeah. you get this unique feedback and you see them being surfed at at that level, it's like you understand more about what's making them do what they ought to be doing and, and you can really refine them from there too. So you can really improve the boards. So that's probably, yeah, yeah I feel like we're at like a, like a point now, but like Victor's, it's f so funny because I've, 
you know, he's been riding for us for a couple of years now. And I don't think we've um, had a board that didn't go like in the last year plus, you know, so everything we're at this nice hum where we've put in, we've made so many thousands of boards and I've tried so many different concepts and rail shapes and all these variables we're talking about that um, now I feel really confident when we make, when I make him something or when I design something that's going to do what it's intended to do. So it's mm-hmm. a good place to be. Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting is you're, you're shaping for these really high level surfers, but at the same time, these boards do seem geared towards your normal everyday surfers as well. Like oh, for sure. the way the rails look and you know, the volume and, and all that. I think that's, what's really interesting about, about your boards. Um, so diving into that a little bit more. So, I mean, you know, you, you mentioned how Josh, he was really interested in the twins. And so it kind of makes sense the direction you went with him. Um, I think Asher was one of the other big names that you signed, big guys that you signed uh, that I remember. Um, and what was interesting is when you, cause his boards with DHD, I remember looking at them, they were a lot more pulled in and refined. I remember the tail on that, you know, his old DHDs was like pretty pulled in. I mean, the thing was short as it normally is, but then the rails also looked like fairly thin. Like it looked like a short board, except with like the outline of a fish and a pulled in twin, mm-hmm. uh, tail. And then your boards, when you did it for him were pretty different. Like what, what was it like shaping for him and what direction did you guys decide to go with his boards? Yeah. I mean, obviously he loves a shorter outline and he loves loose, a loose trucks kind of feel of, a board going really fast and on the edge of disaster, you know, where it's like <laughs> shot out of a cannon and just freed up. He loves that, that sensation. So that's what we were going for. But if you look at like his sunstone and light bender, they're super refined in the details of like, okay. like way, like a lot of guys that are very into, um, short boards, like shaping short boards, they tend to want to apply the exact same thing to like a fish or a twin fin. So that's why sometimes you'll see like their, their alternative board is kind of has the same rails as their short board does. It's just a different outline. And so we really started from like the ground up as far as like designing, like the fish is like his main, like center of his, it's the, spine of his quiver right it's like the main thing that everything kind of revolves around so nailing that and making sunstone where we take the concept of a classic keel style fish wider tail deep swallow tail chunkier uh, foam distribution but um, really kind of like refined foil through the swallow tail like refined foil through the rails, like very modern bottom contour with some concave and like a spiral V through the fin area and V panel out the back. And there's a lot going on there. And so, um, yeah, the idea is making something that, uh, and he's unique too, because he like so he rides, he's, he's like 5'10", 170, about the same as, um, or maybe 5'11". Um, similar height and weight to Victor, but a little different frame, like a little bit more of like a longer limbs and just different frame. But he rides like his fishes are like 33 to 35 liters, but they're like 5'1 to 5'3 in the Sunstone or 5'4, you know what I mean? So they're short, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of foam packed in those little boards. And then from there, so that was kind of the 
starting point is design the sunstone, make like the performance version of a fish, which is the light bender, which is kind of like um, just a little thinner foil stretched out just a little bit, not as wide of an outline, not as much tail area. And that would be like his good wave fish, even though he rides, he rides all his boards and all different types of waves, but that was kind yeah. of the starting point. Yeah. I got it. Interesting. Huh. And, you know, one of the guys that you added recently was Margo Marks. Uh, his, his boards, his Vesper, like tell us about the Vesper. That looks like a really interesting board as well. Yeah, uh, Brandon is amazing. He's like iconic free surfer from the 90s and 2000s and has just a very loyal following because his surfing is just timeless and beautiful. And it's very relatable too. he's like 51 now and still surfing really well. Uh, but it's like, it's kind of nice to see somebody with gray hair and a little gray beard still, still ripping because it's inspiring. I'm in my late forties now and it's just inspiring for most regular people to see somebody like him surfing that well. And he's another one who's, uh, very open-minded to trying different things. Like in the nineties and two thousands, he was, he rode longer, curvier shortboards. You know, he used to ride like a lot of rail and he was really known for these power turns and power carves and uh, really critical drops and surfing like aggressively in big waves. And so um, we wanted to make him something that was like, that had some rail, had something he could push around a little bit, but is a relevant board for someone in their early fifties who's six one, two hundred five pounds, you know what I mean? So his, so the Vesper kind of came from uh, some elements of our plasmic model, which is like a little, short chunky little deep channeled twin fin uh, margo had always loved quads and so i knew that like applying a quad setup to that bottom contour would be really effective and then it's just reshaping the outline sizing one up from to from six two to seven two and um just kind of making it fit with how he surfs and yeah, it's, that's i ride that board all the time that's one of my favorite boards interesting wow that's crazy that the Vesper came from the plasmic. Because when yeah. I think the plasmic, I just think the, the short little stubby thing. And then the Vesper is like, you know, more way more drawn out. That's, that's you fascinating. Know the, you know, the trippier part of that, too, is that the plasmic came from us making a soft top. <laughs> <laughs> we were, we, uh, um, our, our soft tops are made by Marco Foam. They're these like, um, like injection molded foam boards that are made in the States here. And to make those boards, you have to make a mold. That's how the board, because it's injection molded. So I shaped a short, chunky, like 411. And because it's a mold, we could do these kind of cool things that you can't really do normally do with a soft top, like doing a channel bottom and the slot channel and twin fins with real fin boxes. So I designed this board. Um, and it was actually, that was, the prototype was a glassed board. And that was the first board that Asher ever rode from me before he even really rode for us. When he was thinking about signing with us, he was coming through California and he was going down to Mexico. And um, obviously he rides all these tiny little boards and I didn't have anything in stock that I could like send with him to try out. So I sent him the soft top mold prototype 411. And he went and like went to town down in Mexico on the points down there and had like an amazing time on it. I was like, well, that's pretty kind of cool. <laughs> and that that's crazy. 
that eventually became like our one of our soft tops that we that we had come out you know i just can't believe his first board that he rode from you was a soft top that's just hilarious it wasn't a know? soft top it was a glass wasn't the board, soft top. but it was the okay. prototype that we used to make the soft top ah got it got it got it got it <laughs> I, I thought you sent him the soft top. And no, like, wow. no, no. But it's the same thing. It's like if you look at our little our little four eleven soft top that we make, it's the same. It's basically the same board as the plasmic. So yeah, wow, that's hilarious. That's mm -hmm. awesome though. Yeah. And then so it makes sense, you know, how you tailor the board, the Vesper, um, for Brendan. And so you know, I, I heard that uh, you're shaping boards for Coco Ho now, and what we, that was really interesting because she was talking about how difficult it is to find boards that suit her as a woman like how do you you know what is what has that process been like for you and, and how do you refine and, and adjust the boards for for female surfers yeah so i made a board for her for the electric acid test that stabbed it a couple years ago and i always had the concept that women's boards are not were never really designed for them they've always just been guys boards that were kind of sized for a lighter weight surfer and that doesn't necessarily apply. <clears throat> like your weight is important. Obviously somebody who weighs 110 pounds can be all different shapes and sizes, right? You can be, you can be, you know, Coco weighs about 110, 105 or something like that. She's very small, but she has a size seven foot. Her frame is small. Her waist is narrow. She's not like, she's just, you know, she's very athletic, very strong, but small frame, small feet. And she's like a similar size to like, Keanu was Singh, who's like another Hawaiian amazing pro surfer who's small in stature, but like broader shoulders, bigger feet. But like in the way surfboards have kind of traditionally been sized, they would almost ride like a similar size board, which is kind of mm. crazy. Yeah. So I've, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of all, all types of surfing. So I love watching all the contests and everything too. <clears throat> and for years I would see these, highest level professional surfers, female surfers. And I always felt like a lot of times their boards were working against them. Like they were too wide, you know, made their turns a little stickier than they should be a little bit harder to get on rail when they were more than capable and had all the skill set and fundamentals to surf them. Well, the, I always seemed like the boards were hold, holding them back. Um, <clears throat> not for everybody, but it was just kind of like a running theme I would see. And so, I always had this idea of shifting volume within a board under a smaller frame. So Coco's shortboards she used to ride when she was on tour were like five, 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 six, eighteen and three eighths, two and a quarter, two and an eighth, something like that, like twenty three liters. <clears throat> and so um, the board I made for the electric acid was like five two, seventeen and a half, like two point two eight. Wow, and it was like a little tricked out version of the plasmic and so I had like the same little channel but like totally different outline shifted around volume to accommodate for that and she obviously surfed it really well and loved it she chose it as the winner for that thing and so I was like it was validating for the idea of like okay there's something here so the next couple of years I was just making her new ideas on the side for her to just have fun with and play with we just we just developed a good relationship and you know she's amazing great person like funnest to be around surf's amazing everybody loves her and respects her and so it was just fun making different boards and she was having she up to that point before she did the electric acid test had never ridden a twin fin so that was like mm -hmm. her first experience and she's like 29 30 years old pro surfer never really ridden a twin fin 
So yeah. there's just this whole open door of like, oh, let's try all these different things you have at Surfing. Let's try these weird dimensions and let's. And um, <clears throat> so obviously from there, like we could have easily said like, let's do a, a Coco model with album. And that would have been cool, you know, but she was like writing for uh, Mayhem and, and, and it, like, and to me, it was just like, there's just a huge market that's not being served. You know, if I'm a 14 year old girl or I'm a, a 40 year old woman and I want to buy the, the board that Steph Gilmore is writing or that Carissa Moore is writing, it doesn't even, it doesn't exist. You know, that doesn't exist in the market. So I couldn't even buy it if I wanted to. So it's like, we, we need to make, like, let's make, let's design a line of boards that are designed around this perspective. And then um, we were in, uh, we, we produce boards in Australia as well. And one of our shapers in Australia is this uh, younger girl, Avalon Starek. And she's, you know, in her early, early twenties, like really apprenticing, becoming a great shaper. So I was like, oh, it just makes sense to create this thing that we can shift right. the perspective a little bit you know if you go into right. most support factories it's all guys it's like you know we can't help but have the perspective that we have so how do right. we open that up and just see things a little differently no, so we I think it's yeah. coco this month and so there's like a whole foundational line of like shortboard twin fin fish mid-length step up semi-gun longboard that are all designed around um different body frame different foot size, all that. No, I think it's brilliant. I mean, it makes sense. There's just a huge, there's tons of women surfers and they're not being served properly, you know? And it's oh, like, exactly. you just make good boards and make good stuff for them. And, you know, it's, it, they're going to be so appreciative and so grateful. That's I'm, I'm... And I mean, obviously any shaper can custom make a board to fit a female. Right. But the thing is, it's like, not that many people have ordered a custom surfboard. Most, totally. most people have not, you know, most people don't, most people get their boards just from buying them off the rack or buying them used or on Craigslist or something like that, you know? So, uh, it's not, it's just like, that's a, that's a hard, uh, hurdle to overcome for a lot of people. Like who is my shaper? What, like, what would I get? And, you know, so yeah. we're trying to like give a foundational, like, here's something you can ride that will suit you. That was designed for you. Yeah, Totally. Well, I'm going to work towards closing down. Um, I'm going to ask you two questions. Um, we asked a lot of advice about just kind of like picking the right board. Any big mistakes that people make ordering boards and, and picking boards and in general? Yeah, I think a lot of people are a little easy, more too easily swayed by uh, the trends or whatever the market is saying. They don't, they don't, they don't buy a, they don't get a board that's really made for who they are and what's going to help them have the most fun and surf, you know, it's easy to see like, Oh, this new model came out. Like that's a, I saw a couple guys at the beach of this cool model. I'm going to get that too. And it, when it may, may or may not be the right board for you. So, yeah. you know, I would say like, get rid of the noise. Don't worry about that. Just think about like, where do I surf? What's the best board for where I surf? How am I going to have the most fun? What's going to be the most, what's going to get me the most excited to want to surf a lot, you know? Yeah. That's the board you should get. All right. That's great. And then here's my final question. What would you ride? You know, you got all these different boards. You got, you know, you're shaping for all these different people and your quiver is so diverse. But like, let's say you're stranded on an island. Like what mm -hmm. board would you ride? Let's say it's a, you know, 
slightly overhead head high wave like what board would you ride is it a thruster is it a quad is it an asim is it a twin like what 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 would you ride personally Hmm. That is a good question. That is a good question. I would say I would, I would definitely write something probably a little bigger because I love the feeling of getting in early and, and getting up to speed early. So maybe like some sort of Vesper or Bongia or some sort of like, you know, a little bit longer rail, a little bit like something I could have confidence to get in early and hold a line through a good tube and a good wave, you know, something like that. But I could still turn. So mm -hmm. something like that. And what uh, fin setup would it be? Let's say it's, let's say you're just surfing trestles, like uppers sure. or lowers or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I surf uppers most days. I would say probably... Um, my default would probably be a twin, some version of a twin would probably be like if I had to choose something, cause that's, that's always fun. But I mean, if, if I close my eyes and grabbed a, a quad, a Vesper or something like that, or <laughs> like an, yeah. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be bummed. Right. I'd right. Be totally, totally happy. And would it have a symmetrical tail or an ASIM tail? Probably ASIM. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we heard from you because you ride all the boards. I'm sure you test out all of them and that's, that's the one to get. It sounds like it's, it is funny though, because if you talk to like the guys that surf with me all the time there, that's always the kind of the running. It's rare that I ride the same board two days in a row. <laughs> I'm always on something different. You know what I mean? So yeah. It'd be, it would be hard to pin me down. You got that mad scientist mind, right? You're constantly like just tweaking and being like, what, how would it feel if I did this or that? That's probably the fun, right? Well, every session I surf, I come in and I'm like, okay, I got like three variation ideas off of what I just wrote that I'm going to go implement or try out or go build or whatever. So, yeah. Man, that sounds like so much fun. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, thanks for joining. Um, I think we're, yeah, I think uh, I asked everything. Uh, it was a pleasure. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll have you on another time. But yeah, thanks for uh, joining. Great to chat. Hey everyone, it's Van. Hopefully you've been enjoying the podcast. Hopefully you've been listening to some good stories, getting some good tips that are helping you improve as a surfer. If so, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, it'll only take you literally a few seconds, and share it with your friends. That's the best way you can support me so I can continue to create awesome new content for you. So thanks.